0: You're listening to Campus Review Radio. The other sufferers of postnatal depression. Australians and the world's best to mingle at Maths Research Hub and teaching tech skills to senior citizens. Hello and welcome to Talking Ed's APN Educational Media's weekly review podcast comprising the team behind Early Learning Review, Education Review and Campus Review. I'm Patrick Gavinall and I'm the news editor for these sites. I'm joined by Lauren Smith from Early Learning Review. Hi Lauren.
1: Hi Patrick.
0: And while James Wells from Campus Review and Education Review is frolicking in the Mediterranean somewhere near Malta, we have Wesley Kington here
2: in his stead. Hi Wesley. Oh, hi, how are there Patrick? Pleased to meet you. It's, it's great to have you here. And give us a bit of your background. Where did you go to uni? I went to uni at uh, what it was formerly known as University of Western Sydney, graduating in 2009 with a bachelor's in uh, communication studies. Did an honors year as well. Um, Investigating uh, the future of uh, digital cinematography. Brilliant! What, what did you? What did you major in? Oh, media arts, media arts and production. So did Brilliant. a few subs, did a few subjects in journalism. So that's given me a bit of background knowledge to uh, tackle on the issues here.
0: That's excellent. That sounds almost as profitable as my degree in art history. <laughs> <laughs> almost, but not quite. Almost, not quite. In part one, Lauren. Postnatal depression or postpartum depression it's a well-known condition that affects a significant number of women after giving birth. Over half will experience some of the symptoms but there is another candidate that is often stalked by this black dog and you wrote a very interesting story about it this week. Tell us more.
1: Why thank you Patrick. So postnatal depression actually affects 10% of fathers in Australia and this is actually a little known fact even amongst health workers because for so long the story has been that women get postnatal depression. So I spoke to Richard Fletcher, he's an associate professor at the University of Newcastle and he's actually developed this um, SMS based service to help new dads transition to that new phase of their life um, whether or not they've got symptoms of depression so he told me a little bit more about the condition in men basically that the symptoms that men show are very different to that of typical depression sufferers and that of women so men tend to get angry and irritable and they also tend to kind of withdraw so often those signs can be overlooked so people don't realize and even they themselves don't realize that they've got this depression Um, and this has really bad effects first of all um, it has economic effects because these men tend to not put in as much effort at work if they even go to work at all and then perhaps even more importantly it affects the child so um, children of fathers with postnatal depression are three times more likely to have behaviour problems and that was a study that um, Richard Fletcher did with his colleagues at the University of Newcastle and then he also told me about some overseas studies which showed that children of fathers with PND, postnatal depression, um, were more likely to develop psychiatric problems at twice the average rate. So those are some pretty serious side effects of this.
0: Is there a reason why uh, this hasn't been come to light before now? I mean, I, I think that we're becoming more and more aware of mental illness and, and accepting it, and the stigma around mental illness has really faded away over the last ten to fifteen years. But this, when I read your story this week, it was the first time I'd ever really come across this concept before. Normally, normally we, we think of, uh, we don't ever really associate this issue with the the and the man of the household.
1: And that's also partly because men don't come forward about this which is why Richard has developed this SMS service so men don't have to go to their GP or see a psychologist in order to deal with this issue um, because as we all know men are less likely to see doctors in general and especially when it comes to mental illness there is a stigma around men admitting to it. So. Um, Richard hopes that um, this new service will encourage them to seek treatment without having to be too public about it.
0: How does the texting work?
1: So you just sign up to this SMS service and you get texts every so often. And you also get sort of um, survey questions as to how you're feeling. And if you indicate that you're not doing so well, they send you um, advice, resources, contact numbers for services that will help you. So it's done on a sort of um, sliding scale from just general texts giving you tips on, you know, baby's development and that sort of thing, to um, giving you actually mental health advice and mental health references.
0: Brilliant. In part two, Wesley, you wrote a story this week about Matrix,
2: which is a new maths hub that's being established in Victoria by two universities, talk us through the story. Yeah, so basically um, it's thanks to a partnership between the University, and Monash, the university of Melbourne and Monash University. It's um, the first of its kind in Australia and basically it's a little research retreat where the brightest minds uh, in Australia and around the world can basically meet, converge, discuss and expound ideas on, uh, on, uh, on mathematics. This is part of the STEM revolution that, that sort of all the universities seem to be competing to create the best STEM hubs at the moment. I think so yeah, I think um, there's definitely a move towards you know trying to trying to uh, promote mathematics science engineering as a uh, extremely viable career option for uh, as many graduates and so you know this This research hub will um, hopefully um, allow the the journey towards that direction to continue. In part three, we're going to look at a new
0: government initiative that is going to be put in place should the coalition be returned. And if you're listening to this on Monday, you will already know the result of the election. During the week leading up to the the vote, uh, Malcolm Turnbull pledged $50 million to teach seniors tech skills should the government be returned. And uh, he said, along with... Uh, Communications Minister Mitch Feifeld and Social Services Minister Christian Porter. The digital literacy strategy will complement existing programs and draw on the expertise and knowledge of the community sector to develop an appropriate package of support to improve the digital, digital literacy and safety of seniors online. Now, at the, at the root of this is this idea that technology is pervading all, all of our lives and all branches of Australia, including the aged care industry, and that we need to do more to help uh, aged, the, the aged get online and use computer products. And on the back of this story, I spoke with an academic at the University of Wollongong, Helen Hassan, and she came up with uh, a four-point plan, I guess, about how you can help uh, senior citizens, uh, whether they be relatives of yours or whether they be people that you work with, in becoming more tech-savvy. And so she, she said that the, the four the four methods that you should implement is to get the right technology, which means teach older people how to use technology and how to use products with the products they will use. So there's no point in teaching a, a senior uh, how to use an iPad if they're going to be then using PCs, or how to use a PC if they're, they're going to be using Macs. So you have to use the right product. You have to get the person connected to the internet was the second point that Helen made in that This is where senior people sometimes struggle with understanding what the internet is, how it's separate from a computer, and you need to teach them that skill uh, as part of of the process. And then the third part is to have introductory lessons and ongoing help. You can't just bombard them with lots of information and then leave them because they'll just forget it. You need to keep uh, reapplying the knowledge and reapplying those skills. And the fourth part, is to set up online communities so that elderly people can talk to each other, much like young people use Reddit or Facebook or Twitter to talk to each other. Old people crave that sort of interaction as well. And I'm joined now for the first time we're talking Eds by Dallas Bastian, an expert in this field. He's the editor of Aged Care Insight. Dallas, thanks very much for joining us for the first time.
3: You're welcome, Patrick. Dallas, tell us a bit about your thoughts on this topic. It's nice to see some funding on the table for this and it's just nice that we're talking about this area. Something that I often write about in Aged Care Inside is social isolation and how it affects the overall health of of older Australians. And of course, technology can have a big impact here. We can see video conferencing happening in aged care facilities or community dwelling older people, uh, or even just people logging onto Facebook and connecting with family members or friends or people that they maybe haven't spoken to in a long time. So, so it's good that we're, we're speaking about this. Uh, up until now, I, I have seen some projects or some initiatives happening a lot of them have been community-based so so uh, university students bringing older people in to teach them in, in university classes some some community members who are who are younger coming into aged care facilities and, and teaching people skills so it's good that um, this this might be you know a government initiative in terms of some of the points raised there, uh, in, in particular in terms of getting the right product, uh, a lot of, there are a lot of apps that we cover in, on Aged Care Insight where they're, they're tailored for, for older people. So it might be something in, in the, the buttons that are used and the size of the buttons or, or the uh, colours that are used to make them more user friendly. And, and I think it would be great to see more of this. Um, but, but I think it is an important thing because we, we, we cover a lot of technologies that are going to be used in the home in community care and things like that. So things like sensors and then information of things, collecting data from those sensors and, and, and relaying that to, to uh, family members or, or uh, sometimes even health professionals. And so just um, any initiative that will kind of help to connect older people with Uh, technology I think is is probably going to be beneficial. I
0: also think that older people would benefit from having a greater understanding of how the internet works and what it is. I know from my own experience I lived with my grandmother for a long time and her knowledge of the internet was based largely on tabloid TV so she assumed that the internet was simply for pornography and bomb making and it, it really wasn't until you know I actually tried to show her that that you know that While that does exist, both of those things do exist on the internet, that's really a minority of its usage. It it really is more about uh, connecting people with services and connecting people with each other and with with really valuable content. And I think that to to keep a a bridge between older people and the internet is really robbing them of a really important experience during a long part of their life. Lauren?
1: I have some thoughts on this, actually. Um, Two of the points that Helen, her son, raised... Um, being technology giving seniors a meaningful occupation of time and also control over daily life. I've witnessed both these things with my grandmother who's 92 years old. Um, on the first point, meaningful op- occupation, before we got her an iPhone a couple of years ago she frequently complained of being bored and having no purpose. Now she's got all these games on her iPhone, she loves words with friends, she's constantly playing over here beeping constantly. Um, And she loves it, and it makes her feel good, and she she loves the fact that she's interacting with strangers all around the world, even though she doesn't really understand how that works, and nor do I, to be honest. Um, And on the second point, control of daily life, um, she uses her phone, I don't know if she does this, but someone helps her set reminders for her medication, um, you know, alarm clocks and that kind of thing, and that's been really helpful for her as well.
3: Yeah, there are definitely a lot of benefits, but I think it's also important to to be aware of some of the dangers there. We recently ran a story on H K Inside Insight on, on older Australians falling victim to, to scams, investment scams and dating and romance scams in particular. Uh, uh, and on the back of their, their targeting scams report, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission uh, encouraged older Australians in particular to wise up and, and watch out for scams that target them. So so I think that that there was indicated that there would be some security support uh, in 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 that funding, so I think that that's definitely important measure going forward. I would also like to add that that seniors are already using technology, a lot of them. I think we had the example there with your grandmother Lauren. Uh, and it's, it's a bit of a myth that there aren't many tech seniors out there and, and there are some groups lobbying to, to let people know that te- seniors are uh, using technology, including social media and that they will continue to do that throughout their life life course. So I think I think it's important to also just acknowledge that uh, they're, they're not uh, a group that is not already out there using, using technology. In part four, we're going to briefly look at the
0: Australian Federal Election, which, as I said earlier, it may have already happened depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But we're going to go around the table and just give our thoughts on what we think will happen. So if you are listening after the fact, you can uh, mark us as we go. Uh, Lauren, who, what's your prediction for the election?
1: My prediction is that the Coalition will win, and, uh, remain government although I think it'll be a tight race. I think um, Malcolm Turnbull became Prime Minister by default last year and everyone got really excited about that because we always had these high hopes for him and some of that sort of um, veneer of amazingness has worn off since he's had to um, bow down to the more conservative right-wing members of his party and had to kind of moderate some of his um, personal views to fit with the party line. Um, that being said, I think once he's voted in by the people, maybe he'll have more power to actually enact the reforms that he personally and political politically believes to be the best for our country.
2: Wesley, what are your thoughts? Listen, I think um, there has been a fairly closely fought political battlefront. Um, Battle, but I think when it comes down to the crux of it, uh, the coalition does have does have that political edge, particularly in the last week. Um, there have been, in my perspective, some slip ups from uh, from the Labor government. Uh, Labor opposition. Labor opposition. Sorry, it's <laughs> <That's> all right. <laughs> my bad. Um <laughs> <Four par. laughs> uh, Freudian slip. No. <laughs> But I think that the uh, the coalition uh, does have the edge, and they will um, they will be
3: uh, uh, they'll be re-elected. Dallas. Yeah, I agree that it's going to be close. I I will hold my judgment just just in case people are listening on a Monday. I don't want to be wrong. To be perfectly honest, uh, but but coming from the health sphere, it's definitely an interesting area, especially in in aged care. Uh, the there was a lot of push to have aged care be, be kind of front and centre in this election and I don't think um, many, many peak bodies or associations would say that it was in the end. It's uh, hard to figure out what is front and centre of this yeah. election. <laughs> it seems to be an election about nothing.
1: It's certainly not early childhood education.
0: It doesn't seem... It's not about uh, higher education either. As much as we thought that it would that would be a huge part leading up, it, it, that hasn't played a big... They don't, it's
1: jobs and growth, Patrick. Jobs and growth. Jobs and
0: growth. <laughs> My, and a bit of name-calling in between. <laughs> I, I, When Bill Shorten became leader of the Labor Party after last year, I thought he was unelectable. And so I think he's done a remarkable job to see off Tony Abbott. When Malcolm Turnbull became the leader, I thought that he would win in a landslide. Uh, so I think Bill Shorten deserves a lot of credit for making Labor competitive. But I do think that the Coalition will retain government five to eight seats, maybe. I think the Senate will be an absolute rabble, though. Some of the, the lunatics that could get elected uh didn't will make... they
1: put in um legislation to prevent minor parties well, from being elected
0: they they've they've put in legislation to change to make it harder to harvest preferences in the way that the micro parties did at the last election which resulted in ricky Muir being elected but because of the double dissolution you only need half as many votes as you normally do you only need one and a half percent rather than three percent which means it looks likely that pauline Hanson will get elected in queensland it looks likely that randoms in Tasmania will be elected because you need so few votes in Tasmania to be elected a Senator. So I think that in the end the Government will win, but it will be a Pyrrhic victory because they'll have an even harder Senate to deal with after the
3: election. Regardless of the outcome, I think it will be an interesting couple of months to work on publications focused on education (laughs) and healthcare. And, And Dallas, give us a plug, what are your two titles? Aged Care Insights and Nursing Review and uh, lauren you
1: yeah i think you should all know that by now if you've been listening as you should be and wesley
2: uh, of course uh, campus review and uh, education review has been um put in my care for the next two and a half weeks you're
1: excellent the, you're so the we'll uh, <laughs> caretaker <laughs> government for those two
2: publications i guess that's another way of saying thank it. thank you yeah. for joining us for the first time we look forward to having you back next week Thanking you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here. And
0: thank you very much, listener, for joining us on Talking Eds.
1: And thanks, Dallas, for joining us today.
0: You're welcome.